This morning, I want to assure you that you can have power over sin in your life. I don't know if there's ever been a moment in your life or a time where you've ever wanted to maybe conquer a bad habit, conquer something that was uh, uh, making you do something that you you thought you would never be able to change. Perhaps there's uh, not just a bad habit, but just something in your life that you would like to change. And sometimes it's a kind of lifestyle. Sometimes you want to change a little bit of your character. You want to change a little bit of, of who you are. And can I assure you this morning that you can live a better life than you are living. And you can live a life uh, that has victory over sin. You see, the principle of dying that we learned about last week is a principle that helps you and I to overcome and to change and to be more Christ-like in our life. You can, you can be like the old farmer I heard about that had victory in his life. Uh, there was an old preacher that to went to this farming community, and it was a, a rather small community. And uh, he was preaching, and, and he was preaching on this of, of uh, forgiveness. He was t- uh, preaching on, uh, on the sin of, of hatred and how it's wrong. And the Bible teaches that we ought not to hate anyone. And, and so he's there, and he's preaching. And, and, uh, and he asked the, the, the question, the farmers that were there, there's not a whole lot of them. There was a few of them. But, but he asked those few that were there, he, he said, Now, has any of you ever overcome hatred in your life? And much to his surprise, one of the farmers that were there raised his hand. And, and of course, it caught the preacher a little bit off guard. And, and he said, oh, well, would you care to share what, what that was, that experience in your, in your life? And he said, well, he came up to the, he stood up and he said, well, preacher, he said, um, I used to have all these skunks on my farm. And they kept getting me and, and getting all this dirt for things I, I didn't want them to be. And, and I really hated those scoundrels, those stinking skunks. And And now I I got victory over that hatred because they're all dead. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes getting victory is killing something, right, that you have in your life. The principle of dying is that exactly. It's killing that sin in our life. It is being able to die to oneself so that we might live unto Christ. Now, Romans chapter 6 really breaks down this principle on how to apply it every day. And so this morning, I want to uh, break down this principle on how we can make it something practical, something that we can do every day. Now, there are three steps in this, uh, in this principle that we must apply in our lives. The first one is knowing the second one is reckoning, and the third one is yielding. Three simple steps that you can remember, that you can apply into your life every day so that you might have victory, so that you might overcome and be more Christ-like in your everyday life. So let's look at that first thing that we need to know, and, this is, and that is this truth, the reality of salvation. There in your notes, the reality of salvation. You know that salvation is something that is is very powerful. It has the power to transform a person from a sinner to a saint. 
Salvation has the uh, power to change a person from being condemned to being freed. A per- it can change a person from being an enemy of God to being the friend and child of God. You see, it is the only power in the world that can do that. Do you know that going to church cannot do that for you? Did you know that doing good works cannot do that for you? The only thing that can change you from being an enemy of God to a friend and a child of God is salvation. It is asking Jesus to be your Savior. Now, I want you to notice how this was accomplished because uh, as Paul is writing here in the book of Romans, he's writing to Christians in the city of Rome, and he begins for those first five uh, chapters to explain a little bit of what that means, of the reality if you will, of salvation. And, and the first thing that he begins to describe is what Jesus did. Throughout the whole chapter, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, you find that he talks about what Jesus did for you and for me. And the first thing that we learn is that Jesus came to this earth. He became flesh. The Bible says uh, in John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word. By the way, the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ. This speaks of His eternality there when you say in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. It talks about Jesus being a person. And the Bible says, and the Word was God. It talks about the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. And then in verse number 14, I want you to notice what it says. It says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth one thing we learn there in john chapter 1 verse 14 is that god became flesh and came to this to this earth for you and for me in fact first timothy 3 16 says and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh. God uh, took upon Himself for the very first time in all of eternity flesh. And it's amazing to me that Jesus would come, to take a, uh, that God would take upon flesh and come to this earth. You know, God's love for us was something so, so big that He didn't send His best angel to come and tell us that. He did not send His best servant to do that. He sent His only begotten Son. We find that Jesus Himself took upon flesh and came to this earth. But we also find that Jesus not only came, but He also died for us. You see, Jesus not only came to us uh, on this earth to just uh, speak to us, to spend time with us, but the Bible says that Jesus came to die for us. Now, if you're wondering why Jesus had to die for us, it is simply for this truth. The Bible says that we, you and I, were born with sin. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5 that we were conceived in sin. We were born with sin. And we see the evidence of that even very early on in one's life. You find that any child, as they're growing up, they learn all by themselves to say, mine. They learn all by themselves to push someone else that's in their way of getting what they want. We find attitudes that are ungrateful and attitudes that are mean, even from a little child, without anyone having to train him to do that. It is because we have sin in our life. Because we are sinners, we display sin. We do things that are wrong. And the Bible says in Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
you know, the Bible says that the payment of sin is death. And so because we are sinners, guess what? Our destination, our final destination, the Bible says, is death. It is an eternal death. And so uh, because we are in this condition, the Bible says that God so loved the world. Seeing the sinners that were in that condition, the Bible said that he sent his only begotten son. In fact, in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says it this way, but God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus came to this earth as he took upon flesh so that, you, uh, so that you and I could be saved. He came so he could die, not for his sins, but for our sins. He paid the penalty of sin. Because we had sin in our life, death was that penalty. And Jesus took upon flesh to die for that sin, to pay for that penalty for you and for me. But you know, the story of Jesus does not end there. We find that not only did he came and became flesh, but he died for us. And then the Bible says he rose from the grave. You see, on the third day, Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death. And he is alive forevermore. So now we can become victorious because he gave us the victory. Because he lives, the Bible says, we also shall live. So Matthew chapter 28, look what it says in verse number 5. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. One thing we find about Jesus, not only that he came, not only that he died for our sins, but that he rose again, that he conquered death. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We find that through Jesus we can have life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you know, Jesus is the only way to God this morning. Jesus is the only one that paid for your sin. It was not paid by some prophet named Muhammad. It was not paid for by no Catholic church. It was not paid uh, for by any uh, Mormon, uh, Jehovah Witness, by, by any other uh, of these religions. Uh, there's only one who paid for your sin and for my sin, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And Jesus died for our sin and rose again. Uh, Paul wants us to know, as he's writing this in Romans chapter 6, this is what you have to know, the reality of salvation. This is what salvation is. Jesus coming to this earth, dying for your sin, and rising on the third day again. And let me just say this morning, if you are here and you've never believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never believed on Him, that He came to this earth, that He died for you, that He rose again for you, then can I encourage you this morning to make that decision. It is the most important decision you'll ever make. That is the most important story you'll ever hear of what Jesus did for you and for me. So Paul says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know what salvation is. The reality, though, of salvation is this. What happened when he did that? What happened to those who received him? And that's where we look in, in chapter 6 and verse number 6. I want you to notice this when Paul writes. He says this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, 
that henceforth we should not serve sin. So one thing that Paul wants you and I to understand this morning is the reality of what happened when we got saved. What happens when you believe on Jesus, that he came, that he died for our sins, when you ask him to forgive you and be your savior? Uh, what happened uh, literally uh, in your life? What created that transformation? Well, Paul sort of describes it in, in steps, if you will, of what happened there. And I want you to notice, first of all, that we learned that we died with him. We died with him. And I want to illustrate this as best as I can about what that really means for you and for me as Christians. Now, I brought this jersey, and uh, if you're... Um, if you're an Astros fan, you'll probably be happy that I brought uh, the Padres jersey. This is the team that I like. Uh, but this jersey is, is going to represent us. And this jersey represents our sin nature, the, the sinful side of who we are, the way we were born in sin. And the Bible says, the, sin that, uh, the soul that sinneth, or the person that sins, shall die. The payment of sin is death. And so, at some point, everyone in this room will pay that penalty. Uh, no matter how long you live, at some point, whether it's 100 years, 150 years, at some point, you and I will experience that death, that, that payment there. But the Bible says that the uh, payment for sin does not just end here uh, on this earth. The Bible says that there is a second death. That's what it calls it, a second death that is an eternal death. And the Bible says that any person that dies still in this sinful condition, the Bible says they will pay the penalty of eternal death. The Bible says they will be tossed into a lake of fire where there is tormenting day and night forever and ever. That's why it's such an important decision to ask Christ to be your Savior. Why? Because He saves you from that second death, from that eternal death. But that's what happens to the soul that sins. But what happens to the soul that receives Jesus Christ as their Savior? I want to illustrate this because there Paul says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So the first truth that we need to know if we're going to live this principle of dying is to know that we died with him. Now Jesus said that uh, he abides in us and we in him. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that now Jesus lives in us and we live with him. So here's what Paul said. Paul said, you see, the moment that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, the moment that he was crucified, when you believe on him, he comes and indwells you and me. And now, Paul says, just like Jesus died on, this, on the cross for you and for me, we also died with him. So now, as Jesus, put, uh, as Jesus comes and indwells in us this, this body of, of sin, we find that when Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. We did not die alone without him in sin, but those that have received him died with him. We are here dying with Christ. That's something that happened in salvation. The Bible says the moment that he died, you also died. And then the Bible says there in verse 7 that the moment that he raised from the dead, we also were raised from the dead to newness of life. That is how we have victory over death. If we die in our sin, you see, the Bible says we will, we will live an eternal death. We don't have the power to overcome death. There has only been one man who's overcome death, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So when we, are, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, the Bible said then we were crucified with him. And when he rose from the dead, we were raised with him to new life. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. That word passed away means those old things have died and are gone and done. Behold, all things have become new. See, what we need to know this morning on that first step of applying this principle of dying every day is that we got to know, hey, what salvation did was that it crucified this old body. That when Jesus died, we died with him. And when he rose again, we rose with him. Now, I have a question to ask you when it comes to this of dying. I've been to several funerals in my life, but I've never been to a funeral where the person in the casket ever stole from me. I've never gone by the casket and had the person in the casket reach out to touch me. I've had times where I've kissed the person in the casket on the forehead, but never have they responded in kind. Never have they done anything to show any affection back to me. And the reason being is because they're dead. A dead person cannot respond in love. The dead person cannot respond uh, in a hateful manner or in a loving manner. He's, he's dead. There's no life in him. And here's what Paul is trying to get you and I to understand. That just like Jesus died on a cross, our old nature, that which wants to do what's wrong, also died that very day. It's, a, it's a, a truth that happened in salvation that we must understand. We died the day that Jesus died. But let me just say, not only did we die with our sinful nature, but when he rose again, we rose with him. So therefore, the Bible says, if we die uh, with him, then we also are going to be raised with him. Now, this is just something, I hope I'm not confusing you, but this is something that you need to know. We said we're going to have to know something, we're going to have to reckon something uh, and then yield something, okay? So here's what you have to know. I'm saved. The Bible says, when Jesus died on the cross, I died with him. When he rose from the grave, I rose with him to have a new life. This I have to know. You know, sometimes as Christians, if we're not careful, we forget to think about that. As Christians, sometimes we can live like we're still haven't died. See, what Paul is saying, he said, you know those wrong attitudes that you have sometimes at work? That should have died. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. You know the, the, those times that as a husband you respond uh, wrongfully to your wife? That should have died. You know, wives, uh, the times that you uh, did, uh, are not being kind to your husband? That should have died. You know, teenagers, that time that you say words that you should not be saying when you're, when you're mad and angry or the attitude that you're displaying to your parents, that should have died. Because Paul said, when Jesus died, you died. So many times we, we forget like we don't even know that. See, that's, what, that's the reality of salvation. The reality is this. When you put Jesus in your life, when you accepted him, you're in Christ. Christ is in you. So when he died, you died. And you say, well, okay, I can understand that, Pastor. Okay. But how come there's still Christians that have bad attitudes? 
How come there's still Christians that are hateful and despise others? I mean, if we literally died, like you said, when you go by a casket, that person doesn't move anymore. It can't do anything. How come I feel like sin in my life is still alive? That's a great question. That's why the principle of dying says you got to know what happened at salvation, but then you have to reckon. And this is where we're going to dig in in verse number 11. Notice what Paul writes. He says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That's an interesting word, reckon. It's not a word that we use a whole lot here in South Texas. If you live in the South, like in Georgia or Alabama, or they, they, sometimes you'll find some farmer or, or redneck, you know, I reckon, you know, the, they'll use that word. But that term, that word, uh, it means to count as or to consider yourself as, okay? It's an accounting term. Uh, and it means to take into account. So what you want to do, we find that the first thing is the reality of salvation. We have to know what Christ did and what happened to us. But then we have to reckon our salvation. We have to take into account that truth. What are we taking into account? We're taking into account the fact that we died. And that now the life that we have is not our own life, but Jesus' life. Does that make sense? We're finding that it's not me that has to make the decisions. It's just me that has to follow where Christ is leading me. Christ needs to have the power in my life. And to do that, we have to take into account. Now, the best way I can think about illustrating this is, is if I take you out to go eat, okay, after service today. And let's just go to a Taco Palenque because that's always a good place to eat. We go to Taco Palenque and, uh, and we order the food. And, uh, and you're standing behind me, and I order what you want, I order what I want, and then the uh, teller says, okay, it's going to be $30. So I pull out my wallet, and I give the, uh, the credit card there, and they slide it, pay for the meal, and we go sit down. Now, while we're, when I'm starting to walk to the table, if I turn around and see you go, uh, Pastor, I, I can't go. And I ask, why, why can't you go? We've we got to go sit down. And you say, I've got to pay for the meal. And I say, oh, no, no, I already paid it. You, you were with me. You saw it. I, I paid it with my credit card. And you go, I, no, I know. I saw that. But, uh, but I got to pay it. And I say, no, no, I already paid the meal for you. You don't have to. All you have to do is go and eat and enjoy the meal now. Let's go sit down at the table. No, no, pastor, I can't. I got to stay in line. I got I to pay this. You know what the person First of all, we think that they're crazy, okay? I would think like you're, you're, you're a little bit crazy. And the reason is that person, you would not be taking into account what has already happened. Or the Bible would say this way, you're not reckoning. You're not taking into account what I just did. I paid for you. <laughs> you're done. You don't have to pay anymore. It's been paid already. Just go and enjoy the meal. But if you sit here and say, no, no, I got to pay for it, I got to pay for it, then you're not taking into account what has already happened. Now, here's what, how, how the application is for this. So many times we get into our life and we begin to do things in our life. We begin as teenagers to have a wrong attitude because we're not taking into account what Jesus did for us. Or as parents. We're not taking into account what Jesus has already done. And so we have a wrong attitude or we have a wrong philosophy. And the whole reason is because I think this is what we should do. This is what I think should happen. Yeah, but have you taken into account what God did for you? Have you taken into account what he thinks? That's why we're not to rule our, 
our household with our own philosophy, but with his philosophy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, if you're going to die every day, if you're going to have this dying daily, you're going to have to start reckoning, reckoning. You go to work tomorrow and there's an employee there that just never treats you right. And you don't know why, but the time that you've gotten there, he's just always been somewhat maybe mean to you. And you know what our, our worldly philosophy, our, our sinful nature says? Hey, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If this guy, if he, if he tells you this, I'm, if he tells listen, I'm having a bad Monday. He better not say something to me. Or I'm going to let him have it. You know what you're doing? You're not reckoning. You're not thinking, is that an attitude that would please God? Because look at, this is what he did for me. He died for you. That, that attitude should have died already. Why isn't it? Because you're not taking into account what Jesus did for you. Jesus killed that off. That's why Paul says, that henceforth, we do not have to serve sin. Now, I want you to notice there in verse number 11, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. First of all, reckoning means we need to take it into account, right? That's why uh, Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Paul says, you know, I realized something in my life. And listen, each one of us needs to get to that point in our life where we realize, you know, Jesus did something for me. He died for me. And when he died on that cross, I died with him. And the life that I now live isn't my life because I, I could not conquer death. I don't have the power to do that. But Jesus did, and he gave me that power to live in a newness of life, a new kind of life, to transform your life, to make you different. You've got to reckon that. You've got to take that into account. And then you've got to believe it by faith. Believe it by faith. Sometimes as Christians, if we're not careful, we only believe what we feel and not the reality. You know why a Christian sometimes will respond to someone spitefully, angrily? Because sometimes we don't believe that's who we are. We just go by our emotions. Well, if, I, if I'm feeling good today, then maybe I can do something for God. Listen, don't rule your Christian life by emotion. There are times, if you're like me, there are times where you wake up and you don't want to read the Bible. There are times you wake up and I don't want to spend time in prayer. I'm tired. I got things I got to get done. But you see, I'm not to live my life how I feel. I need to live my life by what God's word says. And if God says, I want to spend time with you and you, you need to take time to read my word and grow, then that's what I got to do. You see, I got to take into account what Jesus has done. I got to believe it. I got to, I got to by faith say this is the right way. I know it doesn't feel right. I know it doesn't always feel good. I know, I know sometimes I, I, I feel like I would feel better if I just tell them how it is. But you've probably found this in your life. If you've ever mistreated someone that has mistreated you, have you ever found that you always feel guilty afterwards? You never feel good. Oh, in that moment, you're like, ha, told him, ha, he knows who's boss. 
And then later you're like, I can't believe I did that. It's always guilt followed along with that. Why? Why is there always guilt? Because you know what? You're living in the emotion and by your feelings instead of living by faith that, hey, this is what I need to do. This is my new life. See, the principle of dying says I need to, I need to know what Christ did on the cross for me, the reality of salvation, but then I need to take into account how that affects me. Then I want you to notice the third truth here, the third step. Step one, I got to know this. Step two, I got to reckon this, take this into account. Step three, I got to yield. I want you to notice in your notes the response of grace. You see, this reckoning brings with it grace that produces a response from us. Now, what is this response? First of all, the Bible says we must yield. Look at verse uh, number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of, right, of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. See, the word yield here is the Greek word uh, uh, peristemi, which means to present ourselves, right? It means to go and present myself. We must remember that there has been a transfer of ownership in salvation. Remember when uh, this uh, jersey uh, was just on the coat hanger? It was by itself. It wasn't on me. It couldn't really move. It really couldn't do anything. It was just sort of there on the coat hanger. When it died, it died. There's nothing you could do. But as soon as I put it on, this, this thing can walk with me. This thing goes wherever I go. It's become a part of me. You see... When you got saved, the Bible says that Jesus bought us. He, there's a, a word, a biblical word called redeemed. It means to buy us back. Jesus bought us. And now when he died, we died. And where he goes, he goes. Now that he's alive, you and I are alive. That is something we've got to reckon. That's something we've got to take into account. And what does that leave us to do? It leaves us to respond by yielding. By saying, I know I feel this way, but I, I know that God says to do it this way. I know I want to respond angrily to this person, but Jesus said, love your enemies. Do you remember that? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's how it used to be. But Jesus said, it won't be that with those that follow me. He says, you're going to love your enemies and you're going to do good to them that persecute you. You say, how can I do that? Because you're not your own anymore. You say, we're in Christ and Christ is in us. And now we, we live what Christ wants us to live. So how do we do that? By yielding. By yielding. Present ourselves to this. I, I love the, the illustration that... Uh, a watchman knee once used, and he was talking about a, 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 a man that was on a train. He was going uh, to a, another city, and these train raids back in the, the early time of, uh, ninth, of the 19th century there, or the 20th century, uh, when trains were just coming out, they were long, they were slow rides, and there was this Christian brother, and he's on a train, and he was going to another city, and, uh, and there was three other guys that were there, and they were all playing cards, and they were, they were gambling there, playing uh, poker. And um, 
And they asked him. They saw that this guy was sitting by himself. He was alone. And, and they said, hey, we need a fourth player. Uh, would you mind coming and joining us for this game? And, uh, and the man looked at him and he said, uh, I'm so sorry. He says, uh, I, I would play, he said, but I didn't bring my hands. I don't have any hands. And they looked at him a little bit funny and they said, no, 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 we can see you have hands. I mean, they're working. You, you're, you're sitting down. You're reading a book. I mean, you have hands. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. These hands are not mine. He said, they're God's hands. And you see, God died for me. And he redeemed me. He bought me back. Now the hands that I have are no longer my hands. I can't do as I please with them. I can only do what pleases God. I have presented my hands to Him. See, that's what it means to yield. That's what it means to yield your mouth. Oh, I want to say these words, but I can't because it's not my mouth anymore. Oh, I want to look at this and I, 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 it's something that pleases me, but I can't. Because these are not my eyes anymore. Oh, I want to I listen to this music. Man, it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel alive. But you know what? I can't. Because these ears aren't mine anymore. I've presented them to God. Notice what he says in verse number 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? He says, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Paul said, don't you know if you yield your hands to do what's wrong, then you are being a servant of sin? He said, don't you know that Jesus died for you? Have you taken into account that when he died, you died, that your life is not yours anymore? Have you taken into account, do you understand that truth? Yeah, then why are you yielding your members to something that is not right? In other words, why are you giving your hands to the devil? Or your ears, or your eyes, or your thoughts, or your mouth, or your feet where you go? You see, the principle of dying says, I can't, I can't do this myself. Yeah, I want to do it, but I can't. I've already yielded myself. I presented it to God. That's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul wrote this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That word is the same word for yield. He said you're, you're, you're to present who you are to God every day. Every day. Then you say, okay, so as I yield, as I present myself to God, what do I do next? We obey. We obey. You see, once you don't have control over these hands and you say, God, I'm only going to use these hands for what you want, then that'll lead you to obedience in your life. Man, it, it, it's always awesome when you obey God. You know, I have found that you won't find any better joy, any greater joy in your life than when you're obeying God. You know, you, you never feel guilty after obeying God. Someone mistreats you, that enemy, you show them love, you'll never feel guilty about that. When someone talks bad about you and you do good to them, you'll never feel guilty about that. You never wake up and go, I can't believe I was that good to him. You know why? 
because you've taken into account, you know what? When I was just a sinner, when I was no good, when I was nothing but a liar and a thief, Jesus died for me. And I realized that when Jesus died, I died with him. And now that he's alive forevermore, I'm alive with him. And now I have to give all that I have to him because he's worthy of it. He bought me. I'm not my own. I am his now. And it leads you to obedience. Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And it's amazing, this principle of dying, what it'll do. Let me tell you something. Not only will you experience more joy than you've ever experienced by doing this every day, by going through this three-step process, but let me tell you what else will happen. You'll shine a whole lot brighter for Christ. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the good works aren't the light. The good works reflect the light that is in you. Let me say that again. The good works are not the light. Sometimes we think, well, listen, I, I bought uh, my, my boss some, some, uh, a, a meal and, and I gave him a $20 uh, gift card and then I, I bought this person, uh, this co-worker that was always treating me badly. I, I took him out to lunch and I paid for lunch and, and man, what a, what a good witness I am. No, those good, work, uh, those good works would reflect who you are. You see, when you understand that these instruments are not yours, when you have presented your body, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, when you've presented yourself to God, then it allows you to do things like buy that person, that coworker that was mistreating you, a $20 gift card or a nice meal. It allows you to do that. You see, when you live this principle, it makes that witness of Jesus brighter. It makes Jesus look brighter in you. And then people start looking at you and go, hey man, there's something different about you. Like I know people that are nice and I know organizations that feed the homeless and, and there's, man, there, there's a lot of people that do a lot of good things, but you're different. And I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you. And you know what it comes down to? It comes down to this. What is different is that you're not your own. What is different is that you've presented yourself to God. And by dying daily, you have more joy, you have more victory, you're a brighter light for Him. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men to me. That's what happens when you live the principle of dying in your life. You let others see Jesus in you. This morning, the principle of dying is what will help you overcome bad habits and wrong attitudes and sin in your life. So I want to encourage you, make the decision to live this principle. It's just a three-step principle, very easy. I got to know what Jesus has done for me. I got to take that into account. And then I got to present my body to Christ every day. And if you can do that, you're living the principle of dying in your life. You'll find peace, you'll find joy, 
You'll find victory, and you'll find that others want to come to Jesus because of you dying. I want to encourage you this morning. Apply that principle every day in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the truth that we find about this principle. Oh, it's so important because it's the key to so much joy in our life. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us, even this morning, to be able to live out the principle of dying. Oh, Father, may we go back tomorrow to our jobs or go home today a different person. We go home today knowing what salvation has done, taking into account what that means for us, and that we would present ourselves to you. Oh, Father, we want that joy. We want others to see you in our lives. And Father, this is the only process that we can have to assure us that that will happen. I pray for each person in here that they would be able to apply this principle in their life. And this morning as we're praying, I won't be long in this quick invitation, but perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, you know what? I feel like that's probably what I'm missing in my life. To be honest, I've been battling some things in my attitudes and I've been battling some things in my life and in my marriage. And really, I'd like to have that joy that you're talking about and that peace. I I really just need to, to live that life of the principle of dying. Would you pray for me that this week I'd be able to do that, have right attitudes overcome wrong by living this principle in my life? Would you just pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. I see that hand. Perhaps this morning you're you're here and to be honest, you can say, Pastor, I, I can't think of a time when I've ever accepted Jesus as my Savior. You were talking about the reality of salvation and what it means to accept Christ as my Savior. And I've, I've never done that. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me. I've never put my faith in Him. But today I would like to do that. I'd like someone to show me. Is there anyone like that? Say, I'd like someone to show me how I can know that Jesus is my Savior. Is there anyone like that? Father, you saw not only hands this morning, but also the hearts. And Father, I pray that you would help us this morning as we go throughout this week. Help us to live your word every day. Help us to yield ourselves every day to you, that our bodies would be used for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that others may be drawn because of our testimony, that others may be uh, saved as a result of just the fact that we are different, that we're living different. And Father, that we would experience greater victory, uh, that we would experience greater joy as we, as we follow this principle of dying in our lives. May it bring victory and peace and joy in the life of every believer here this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Just a couple quick announcements before we're dismissed. A reminder about our youth activity coming up this week. Uh, don't forget the camping overnight. We're leaving here at 3 o'clock. 
So those of you that are will be doing that, make sure somehow we let Pastor Jeremy know or one of the leaders know as well. If for some reason they're just going to take you there so we don't, you're not left here just waiting on a van that left already. All right, we want to make sure everybody goes and enjoys that time. There's uh, also the glimpses of grace that Pastor Jeremy talked about near the end of March. And uh, of course, as always, I know there's birthdays coming up this week, and we're not going to be able to say happy birthday to every single one of you. Well, actually, we are because we do that here in our church service, but we won't call you on your day. We're going to do that right now. So I know there's some birthdays this week. So if you're in here and your birthday is coming up this week, will you please stand for us? I know, Thelma, is that today? Like, is, is, it says Thelma on our bulletin. Yes. Is it? Thelma, stand up. Happy birthday. Julia, is Julia in here? Julia, is that this week sometime? Coming up this week. Anybody else in here? Kyra. Kyra, stand up. Oh, Kyra, stand up. It's coming up this week. All right. Anybody else? Birthday coming up? All right. We're going to get it out of the way right now so we can just say happy birthday to everybody at the count. We're going to count down. Three, two, one. And then everybody help me say happy birthday to all of them so you don't have to text them or call them throughout the week. Just We're going to take care of it now. Three, two, one. Happy birthday. All right. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And now everybody stand up. Thank you. Happy birthday to all of those that are going to. We hope you have a great week and a great birthday. Hey, Kyra, it's awesome. You're on spring break. Julia, spring break birthday. You can't beat that, right? Um, praise the Lord. Again, Sunday school. If you haven't got plugged into a Sunday school uh, class, we encourage you to do that coming right up after this. And of course, after our class, after all the mass confusion, we'll finally get right on our time. As soon as your Sunday school class is over, whatever your phone says, now that's the right time because somehow we have a manager good way to confuse that here at our church right let's pray let's dismiss and we'll see you in our sunday school classes god thank you so much for this day for allowing us to be in your house thank you for the message and lord we just pray that we just continue to carry that with us in our hearts it wouldn't be something we just hear this morning and and it would just leaves but lord that we would just apply that in our life throughout the week and lord just those decisions that were made this morning would be something that we would keep in our heart and lord help us to continue to be a shining light in this world for you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.